Welcome to the Striking Oil Podcast, giving you Edmonton Oilers analysis and opinions from a fan-turned-journalist. I'm your host, Caleb Kearney. By day, I'm a carpenter, and by night, I am the site editor of the Edmonton Oilers team site over at the Hockey News website. Before we get started today, please go check out the Substack. Uh, it is, uh, if you go to Edmonton Oilers, thn.substack.com, you can subscribe to a free email newsletter. Now, this newsletter is going to uh, give you updates for whenever there's a new Striking Oil podcast episode, and there's also going to be two newsletters that go out per week, one on Tuesday, one on Friday. All you have to do is enter in your email address, and you can sign up. You can sign up for a Substack account and it's free. Okay. There is free. There will be a paid newsletter at some point, but that's going to be all just bonus content where if you want to contribute a little bit of money, you can get some bonus content. Um, and I'll, I'll share what some of those bonus features and content will be closer to the launch of the paid Substack. Now, for today's episode, I'm going to go into three different topics. Okay. For one, I'm going to recap the Oilers 5-2 loss to the Predators. There's a right way to lose and there's a wrong way to lose. And they're losing the wrong way more often than not. So I'll give my thoughts on Saturday afternoon's game. Second thing I'll talk about, Woodcroft needs to bring out the line blender. It could give the team a jolt and I'll share what I would do with the line combinations and defense pairings. And finally, in a brand new segment, I'm going to have a rumor roundup. Do the Oilers need a new coach, a new goalie? Can they add a forward? These are all going to be things that I will discuss. These are all things that I've been hearing from my sources from being around the team. So stick around for that last segment. Now, to kick off my thoughts on yesterday's loss, I'm recording this Sunday morning, so I'm also recording this before they have practice. They have practice at 11 a.m. this morning, so we'll get a sense on if Woodcroft does bring out the line blender just to give everybody a jolt to the system. Now, As I said, there's a right way to lose and a wrong way to lose. When they play the Dallas Stars, that's the right way to lose. They showed pushback. They pressured them. They played in the offensive zone a lot more in the third period. They showed jump. They showed spark. Now, through the first two periods, the Oilers did have more offensive zone time than the Predators. But again, as has been the story for the Oilers this year, some costly errors cost them timely goals and that has cost them games. Now in this specific loss, they didn't really help out Campbell very much. There was some soft box box outs nurse on the first Ryan O'Reilly goal. Didn't really cover him in the best way. Took the body, which is good and all, but 
he didn't score with his body. So that's, that's the one thing that could have been better on that play. Of course, of course we can, you know, go through the entire game with a fine tooth comb and say, this player should have done this differently. This player should have done that differently. That's always going to be the case when they lose, even when they win, that's always going to be the case. So going to try to not be nitpicky here, but just, you know, point out a couple things that should get cleaned up might be an area of concern. And the next time that they play this team, which I mean, I guess that's both games out of the way. So I don't think they're going to play them anymore this year, but something to keep in mind when they play certain teams that share similar characteristics to the predators. Now, they had six blocked shots the entire game. You're not doing your goaltender any favors if you're only blocking six shots and you let 35 through or 34. It's just, it's not, it's not helpful. So it just looked like they weren't protecting their goalie as much as they could. And I know that there's been games where they've blocked a lot more shots. Nashville blocked 16 shots. Oilers blocked six. Okay. Not a great sign. Predators dominated the face-off circle in yesterday's game. Okay. Saturday afternoon's game. They won 66% of the face-offs. That is like mind-blowing. All right. Of course, that was led by Ryan O'Reilly, who is a face-off wizard. He's always been one of the top face-off centermen in the NHL for the last five years. I mean, him up there with Bergeron. They've been two of the top five for six, seven, eight years. So this isn't a new revelation. This isn't a new revelation that Ryan O'Reilly is fantastic at face-offs. I'm not saying anything new to anybody, but they just played against the Oilers and this time we lost. Okay. Now, for my money, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was the best Oilers player in Saturday's game. He was excellent on the penalty kill He had a great shift where very aggressive on their power play um, drove play into the offensive zone while on the penalty kill was getting chances on Kevin Langan in drew a penalty. And that was all on one penalty kill shift in the second period. And he was just all over the ice. I thought he had an excellent game. There's been a couple games where he hasn't been fairly noticeable, but he definitely stood out to me last night. He played 21 minutes. He had four shots, 27.8% in the face-off circle. And that's, that's the Ryan O'Reilly thing. It's sometimes you're just not going to win a lot of face-offs. Like usually, usually it's a closer split than, you know, 66 and 33. But last night it just wasn't. So it's what it is. And 
the Oilers next game is on Monday. Just looking at my calendar Monday against Vancouver in Vancouver. Okay. So a chance for redemption, you know, they played their third game against the Canucks. They lost the first two. We'll see if they can win their third. The Canucks are rolling, but you know, when you break this, when you break the season up into 10 game stretches, their first 10 games is done. Okay. It's behind them. Let's move on. Let's get a fresh start for these next 10 games. Okay. And I believe that the practice today is going to set the tempo, set the standard, the bar for what's going to happen in the next couple weeks. Now, the Oilers have 12 more games in the month of November. They have eight until American Thanksgiving. Okay. Is my math right here? Yeah, eight games. And they need to right the ship in those eight games. If they win eight games in a row, hey, now they're 10, 7, and 1. Now they're probably in a, at least in a wild card position. Are they going to win eight in a row? We'll see. Okay. One thing's for sure. Something needs to jolt this team to life. And one of the ways that I think Woodcroft can do that is by bringing out the full line blender at practice today to just shock everybody out of their comfort system, out of their comfort zone, and just get them in a different mentality. Get them to shake out of this funk that they're in. They need something to just be like, oh, hey, right. That's how I do it. And even if it's just for practice in a game or two games, and then they go to what their original plan was, but now everybody's like, everybody's feeling it. Everybody's out of the funk. Great. Okay. So here's what I think they can do in this line blender. So I'd play Holloway and Lavoie in the top six. I'd also mix up the defense pairings and I'd play McDavid, Dreisaitl and Nuge as the top three centers. Here is what I would do with the forward lines. I'd go Kane, McDavid, Holloway, Hyman, Dreisaitl, Lavoie, Gagne, Nuge, Fogel, Derek Ryan, Ryan McLeod as your two extras. Okay. Just to get everybody in a different state of mind, Holloway and Lavoie in the top six, you have the kids up here. Let's play them. Okay. You know, they sent Broberg down. That's ultimately going to be helpful for Broberg because he's actually going to get to play, you know, a stint down in the AHL get his confidence, maybe get him playing more aggressively, more assertively, and then call him up in 10 games, right? That's what I think they should do. Now, you split up the three, and then 
whichever line is playing the best, and this will also go for the defense playing pairings, play them more. Okay. Don't just play somebody more because they have a certain nameplate on the back of their jersey. Whichever line is playing better, play them more. Simple as that. And then Derek Ryan, Ryan McLeod. I would, whichever centers are playing better, I would put, um, I'd pick two of the three, whichever two of the three are playing better in any given game. I'd rotate them with Ryan and McLeod as a line. Okay. Just to make sure you don't overwork one player and to just give a different, different look, different feel. Okay. Defense pairings. Okay. This is where things get a little spicy here. I'd go Ekholm, CC, Kulak, Bouchard, Nurse, Dayernay. Okay. And here's what I would do. For Nurse and Dayernay, I would put them out for a lot of offensive zone starts, minimal defensive zone starts, and try to limit the changes on the rush coming back to the Oilers. So maybe try to focus in on them when they need to make a line change or when they need to come on, have that happen as the puck is going up the ice so that they change somebody new comes on and they can go into the offensive zone. Dernay doesn't quite have excellent foot speed and nurse isn't the best rush defender. He's better in zone. He has his own issues, but he's better in zone than he is rush. So try to deploy him that way. Kulak and Bouchard. That's another like deploy them. Honestly, anywhere on the ice, really. Kulak and Bouchard can both move the puck, which is excellent. That could be an interesting pairing. And then Ekholm and Cece, you could play them more as a shutdown, de-pairing, more traditional shutdown. Ekholm can move the puck so he can get it up the ice. Cece, pretty decent at defending. He's having a pretty decent season. Pretty quiet. I haven't heard a lot of CC haters. So that's kind of reflective of how he's been playing. And again, these lines that I am proposing are all a short term thing to just shock everybody out of their comfort zones and get them playing in the way that they know they can. That was one thing I heard Hyman say in his post game comments multiple times. We know how to play. We just need to execute and we're not executing. And that's, that's as simple as it is. So let's get things shooken up so that people kind of get a wake up call and understand and execute better when it comes to these different things. Now for the fun brand new segment, the rumor roundup. Okay. Talking about some rumors here. So there's three rumors that I've heard kind of over the past week and I'm just going to go through all three. Okay. Not going to give you a preview of what they are, 
I'm just going to head into them. First one, head coach. My sense is that Jay Woodcroft's job is not in jeopardy. At this moment in time, the season would need to be completely out of reach for the Oilers brass to consider firing the head coach. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be a change behind the bench in any regard. Okay, He has assistant coaches and associate coaches and a goalie coach and video coaches. So let's look at everything. What, what needs to improve? There's a lot of people that I'm seeing who are saying, fire the goalie coach. Now, I'm not saying that, but he's the only coach who's been employed by the Oilers for like nine years. Everybody else is a lot fresher than that. Okay. Like six years, kind of at the most Glenn Gullitson. Gullitson and Woodcroft have been with the organization for a long time. And maybe you start a goalie coach just to get a different voice in the room. Maybe you get a new defense coach, move on from Dave Manson. It's there's, there's lots of options. Okay. And now the issues with this team appear to be on the player's end of things. And what I mean by that is there doesn't seem to be a disconnect between the coach's message and the players. But there does seem to be a disconnect amongst the players, between the players. Okay, now that's obviously going to happen because there are two frames of mind when it comes to losing and trying to break out of that losing funk. And a lot of what I'm hearing is either some players are very like, this needs to be rectified immediately. This isn't okay. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where it's like, we have lots of time. We need to be calm and just level-headed and just work through it we'll get through this. We're a good team. We know we're a good team. We just got to get through it. And then there's the other, and then, like I said, there's the other people that are like, like this needs to be done yesterday. So if there's any disconnect, it might be the sort of the players that fall into those two categories, if you will. And the people, the players who are saying we need to fix this now, they might be showing more frustration and that might be rubbing some people the wrong way. I don't know, but there is something happening there. So that's also going to happen when you've only won two games out of a 10 game stretch. Okay. It's just par for the course. Now, second rumor goalie trade. Okay. I've heard that Ken Holland is working the phones looking for a goalie. I heard this just over a week ago. I don't have any other information other than that. I heard this before a couple days before the Heritage Classic. I didn't do anything with it right away because we were going into the Heritage Classic. I was focusing on my coverage. We won that game, so it didn't feel like 
a timely thing to kind of share. I don't have any other information other than that. I don't have any teams. I don't know who he's considering moving out. If I had to guess, and this is pure speculation, this is not founded in anything. If I were to guess who the Oilers move out, Campbell seems like a top choice. Rashog on Saturday mentioned that the Oilers, you know, are looking potentially at a trade to clear up some cap space. That could be Campbell. He's making $5 million. That would give them a lot of flexibility, you know, in terms of their lineup decisions and not having, not being able to make certain lineup decisions because of your salary cap is a huge issue that needs to be rectified. They know that they've been close to the cap. They were aware that the cap was where it's at. Now they have to deal with it. And as far as bringing in a new goalie is concerned, I haven't heard any names. haven't heard any bu- about any teams. I don't know that anything is beyond the point of just inquiring at this point. But given the losses... There's a good chance that talks are heating up. But again, that's speculation. All I know is that talks are happening. Okay. The final, third and final rumor. This could be the juiciest or not. It might not be at that point yet, but a potential forward acquisition. Okay. Elliot Friedman on Hockey Night in Canada had mentioned that Patrick Kane is narrowing narrowing down the teams that he is interested in. I can confirm that the Edmonton Oilers and a few others are on his list. That's all I know. How many is a few others? Let's see, maybe up to five. It's probably up to five teams. You know, you'll look at who's Look at who's doing well. Look at what teams are kind of underperforming and could use a boost that he could hop into the top six or top nine. As far as the Oilers are concerned, he can definitely give the top nine a boost. He's still got a lot left in the tank. He had 57 points in 73 games last year. That would put him like fifth in Oilers scoring last year if he played for the Oilers. So there's room here. In the top five, top six, you give him a deal for the rest of the season, see what happens. What is it going to take to get him? It's probably going to take moving out five mil. You give him a one year, $3 million deal. Maybe he goes for that. <clears throat> um, maybe he doesn't. We'd see. Uh, Friedman said that, you know, he's still a few weeks away from playing NHL games, but. There you go. He's at least interested in playing with the Oilers. Given that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are here, not surprising. There is the Duncan Keith connection, which could heavily favor the Oilers in the situation. And maybe that lowers the, uh, the contract ask from uh, Kane's side of things. And that's everything for today. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review and please let us know on Spotify what you think of this episode. Any feedback is greatly appreciated as it helps me make the podcast better and get you the type of content you want to hear and see. You can follow me on Twitter at CKernyWriter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at StrikingOilPod. Go to thehockeynews.com slash NHL slash Edmonton dash Oilers to read all the latest articles from me. You can subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you prefer. And subscribe to the hockey new to the Edmonton Oilers, the hockey news substack. Edmonton Oilers THN.substack.com. It's free to join. You can like the video on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment as well, telling me what you thought of the episode, what you thought of what I discussed. Is Patrick Kane a good fit for the Oilers? Do they need a new coach somewhere? What goalie would you like to see them get? The links for everything mentioned above will be in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today. And don't forget, it's not a game day unless the Oilers play. I'll see you next time.